0: Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope that you enjoy this encouraging message. For more information on our church family, visit freechapel.org forward slash OC. Matthew chapter 16, we are um, gonna, as you open your Bibles, we're gonna kick off a mini collection here, um, just two weeks that we're doing back to back. And uh, I'm excited because I really do feel like God has given me a word for our church. And I have two things on my heart that I wanna share both this weekend and next weekend. And um, we're calling this little mini collection, uh, mini series that we're doing, This Must Be the Place. This must be the place. And we're talking about church. Yes, we're talking about church in church, but we're talking about why I believe what we do here on a Sunday morning is significant, why it matters. Of course, there's been a lot of criticism and cynicism directed at the church in our world and in our culture. But I just want to remind you today that the church is God's number one plan to bring the hope of Jesus to the world that he loves. The church is God's plan. There's no plan B. There's no alternative method. There's no replacement. The church is the way that God has used the conduit or the the vehicle that will bring the hope of Jesus, this gospel to the world that he loves. That's why what we're doing here is significant. And the hope would be that as we come, and you know, each time that we get together, we sing worship songs, and we come around the message. All we're really doing is we're tuning the frequency into the, like the transmission, tuning it into what's already happening in heaven for eternity. As we sing songs, we're just tuning that FM dial to connect to the radio service that's happening at the throne room of heaven. That's what we get to do. As we exalt Jesus, we actually get to make Jesus's prayer a reality for it was Jesus who prayed on earth as it is in heaven. And that's what we get to do. We uniquely have the responsibility of what I would say, actualizing Jesus's prayer. When he prayed on earth as it is in heaven, that's just not wishful thinking. That's the mission of the church. That's what we're talking about over the next couple weeks. But in particular, we are gonna talk about the two battles that the church will have to fight. Two battles that the church will have to fight for the future of the church. There is, I believe, an inward battle and an outward battle. There's a battle within and a battle without and what I'm gonna ask from you is over the next couple weekends that you make it a priority to be in church next weekend. Um, because I really believe that what God is saying to us, it's a message for our house. It's a message for people that call Free Chapel their home who love this place. But I wanna make, I invite you to really make a commitment that next weekend, you're not gonna miss out on church. Even if it means um, streaming back or watching later in your car or on the treadmill, I'll take whatever I can get. But uh, I really believe next weekend is gonna be significant. And I know it's the fourth weekend, so you maybe have already made plans. Maybe you were like Texan and ready to go to the beach next Sunday. Don't do that, get in church, the beach can wait. It's gonna be um, an awesome time next weekend as well. But uh, today we're gonna talk about the first battle and the message or the subject I wanna talk from is the battle is spiritual. The battle is spiritual, a nice light topic for this summer Sunday. We're talking about spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare, Matthew chapter 16, picking up in verse 13, Jesus has an encounter with his disciples and he asked them, he said, when when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? in, heaven. in verse 18, it's one of the greatest promises of the New Testament. Jesus says, and I tell you that you are Peter and upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom for whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Amen. Now, maybe you've heard the, 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 it, age old advice, choose your battles. When my wife, Rachel and I were getting married among all the many pieces of marital advice that we were given by couples older than us, like don't go to bed angry, or uh, you know, people had told us um, you know, to be the first to apologize. One of the most common pieces of advice that we heard was choose your battles which is, I think, a good recipe or a good uh, idea for a successful marriage because how many know the age-old saying is true? Happy wife, happy life. That's right. And uh, I think there's a lot of wisdom, men, in letting things slide. Women, you too. And I think mostly this is good advice. (laughs) Choose your battles. That's some of you, that's the word that you needed today. All right, thanks, guys. We'll see you next week. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of wisdom in letting things slide, but I think this sentiment is true. You don't allow or you don't want to allow small things to become big things. And actually, especially in your relationships, you'll cause a lot more trouble for yourself if you allow peripheral things to become monumental. And while I agree with this advice, I think that there are some battles in life that you don't get to choose, there are some times where you don't get the luxury of opting out, or sometimes you don't get to choose whether or not to fight that battle. Maybe said another way, there are times in life when the battle chooses you. There are some fights that we are against that the battle will choose you. In fact, I've heard this set of battles. One person said you're either in a battle, coming out of a battle, or about to go into a battle. So wherever you're at today in this room, we all might need this message because battles are a part of life, Christian or not. We all face battles. But I do think that there is a unique battle for the Christian. There is some unique battles that the church will have to fight. Actually, one thing I find so interesting is that Jesus only mentions the word church twice in the New Testament. Did you know that? May come as a surprise to you if you feel like, well... Wasn't Jesus like all about church? That was like his thing, right? Well, Jesus only teaches explicitly about the church on two occasions. The first one is here in Matthew chapter 16 that we had just read when he says, I will build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. The second place that Jesus speaks of the church is two chapters later in Matthew chapter 18, and uh, it's what we're gonna get to next weekend, but the two battles that the church will have to fight is spiritual warfare and broken relationships. The battle within and the battle without. And Jesus specifically wants us to know about church, not what songs to sing, not what sermons to preach. He doesn't tell us the order or the flow or the way that we're supposed to do this thing, but he does specifically instruct us on the battles that we will have to fight. Because there are two unique battles that the church will have to come against in its future, battles that we're facing today. And the first battle that we're gonna deal with is this battle, spiritual warfare. The battle is spiritual. Now I hear people all the time just to preface, I hear people so frequently blame the devil for most of the dumb stuff that they do. Like, oh, I spent all my money at the week on the week this weekend, I spent all my money at the casino because the devil made me do it. Or I got pulled over this week because it's just like spiritual attack. The enemy is against me. It's like, no, you're probably just like rushed and in a hurry and not paying attention. Some people say like, oh, I got in a fight with my wife. Or I got in a fight with my husband because the devil is just attacking me. It's like most of the time I hear we, we get miss understood about this idea of spiritual warfare. Maybe you're in this room. I mean, after all, this is a Pentecostal church. So maybe you're here and you're comfortable with this language. You're like, you grew up as a frothy Pentecostal and you're ready to, you know, just, yes, I am a soldier in the Lord's army. (laughs) You're ready to fight. Every battle is spiritual. You're overzealous about this idea that every bad thing that happens or every dumb thing that you do, it's because the devil said to do it. Maybe though, you're on the opposite end of the spectrum. Maybe you're here and you um, are visiting or maybe you are uncomfortable with that language of spiritual warfare. You might be here and you might think, you know, there's, there's, you know, this thing is a, a, a relic from the past, or it's the devil might be a cartoon or a Halloween costume or leftover from medieval times. I think there's two equal but opposite errors that we can either give the devil too much or too little attention. What I want to help us to understand today is that. Um, you know, even though we can maybe get uncomfortable or, or even overzealous about this idea of spiritual warfare, it doesn't make it any less true because this was the language of the New Testament. Jesus taught about spiritual warfare. The early church, the, the gospels and the epistles, they, they use this language. You know, many times we describe faith as a journey. We've gotten real comfortable doing that. Like I'm on this journey with Jesus But the Bible, the way that it understands it, is less like a journey and more like a war. See, haven't you found it funny that there are times in your life where it just feels like you're getting attacked? Even if it's not your fault, things just feel heavy and overwhelming. Times in your life where you feel like everything on paper just seems fine, but there's a weight on your soul and you can't seem to find any rest. You're anxious, stressed out, concerned. Maybe you find it hard to live a godly life. You feel like there's always something distracting you or it's hard to hear God's voice. Maybe you've wondered why is there such a battle in culture and society? It seems like there's just this attack against me or against the church or against our uh, 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 godly life and values. Maybe here's the reality. You know, we get uncomfortable many times with this talk of spiritual warfare, but here's something I just want to suggest to you. Maybe it is a war. Maybe it is a battle. And as off-putting as that might sound, this is how the early church was built. The early church wasn't built from comfort and from blessing, but it was built on a fight. It was built from battle. In fact, 1 Peter Who the same Peter that we read about had this encounter much later in his life, obviously learning the the lessons that come from battle. First Peter chapter four, he writes to the early church and he says, don't think it's strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though something strange has happened to you. What's he saying? He's saying, don't think it's strange when you face spiritual warfare. Don't don't think it's strange when you get faced with a battle in your life. Spiritual warfare, I wanna tell you, spiritual warfare is not strange, it's just part of following Jesus. It doesn't have to be spooky, but the battle is spiritual. And really this is the heart of what we need to understand today, and part of what I wanna help us to, to get into your heart is that faith in Jesus is a declaration of war. Faith in Jesus is a declaration of war. It is the acknowledgement that you are now in the fight. And this war that we're faced with, there's no option to remain neutral. There's no neutrality among anybody. You're either in the fight or you're against it. That there is this kingdom that we live in. Part of salvation, as we talk about here, is, is, is this idea that, that you know, we can believe in our heart and confess with our mouth as the scriptures say that Jesus is Lord, but it's not just some magic words that we say at the end of the service. Salvation is more than personal. It is also the changing of kingdoms. For in salvation, you move from darkness to light. For in salvation, you move from death to life. For in salvation, you move from the power of hell to the power of heaven. And that's the place that you shout because this is good news. I'm going to teach you this morning help us to understand that salvation is a declaration of war. And this is what I think Jesus is getting at in our passage of scripture today. He asked his disciples, after three years of ministry, preaching the gospel, proclaiming the kingdom is at hand, declaring the, the coming of, uh, of, of his new kingdom, raising the dead and healing the sick and restoring sight to the blind. And he turns to his disciples and he says, after you've all that you've seen and all that you've heard, who do you say that I am? Because there comes a time in our life that we have to answer this question for all of us. And I would argue that it is the most important question that we could be asked. It is the most fundamental question that we will have to answer. Who is Jesus to you? It was A.W. Tozer who said, what comes to your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. What you think about when you think of God is the most important thing about you. Jesus here is not just speaking rhetorically. It's not hyperbole. He's not just saying a question to make a point. He actually pauses to wait for their answer. Maybe that's what Jesus would say to you this morning. Who do you say that Jesus is? Who is Jesus? Not just what society says about Jesus or what culture suggests he was. Not just what your family has taught you. Not just what your parents have believed. Not what you've heard a pastor say or a professor say. But who do you say that Jesus is? Is Jesus a teacher or is he a prophet? Is, is Jesus a good example or is he a life coach? Is, is Jesus a genie? Or a fortune teller? Is Jesus a fiction or a myth? Or is Jesus Lord of your life? Is he son of the living God? As Peter said. We all have a place where we have to answer this fundamental question. Who is Jesus? And the reason this question is Jesus' starting place is because it's the starting place for all of us. For faith begins at confession. Faith begins at confession. It starts with a right revelation of who Jesus is. And at salvation, the moment where we declare Jesus is Lord of my life. He is the son of the living God. What we're doing is we're anchoring our loyalty, what faith is. We're anchoring our allegiance to Jesus And when I put my faith in Jesus, the Bible says that he makes us free from the consequences of sin. He frees me from the penalty of death. As I join into the family of God that we call the church, I enter into the kingdom of God, the rule and the reign of Christ. Many of you have made that decision. You might be here joining us after just a few weeks of this freedom series that we've been in. As you walked in freedom for the first time in your life where you've raised your hand at the end of the service to say, I'm gonna put my faith in Jesus. I'm gonna trust in Jesus. Part of what I wanna help us to understand is anybody who's willing to step up and make that confession to say, Jesus is the son of the living God. That's a declaration of war. That's fighting words. Why is that the case? Because anything that God loves, the devil hates. And if you are God's object and affection of his love, then I want to tell you today that you are hated by the devil. For the enemy comes to seek, kill, and destroy, but the gift of God is eternal life. He has come to give us abundant life. And if you are loved by God and given life by God, then you are hated by God. The devil, because the Bible says that you were once a slave to sin, a slave to death, a slave to hell. But you escaped prison and the power of your enemy by the by the power given to you in Christ. You've been the prison cell has been unlocked. And now as part of the kingdom of God, you're a part of the family of God, which is a threat to the enemy's rule. It's a threat to the the devil's influence in this world for you have exposed your life is a testimony to expose the lies of the enemy. Your life is a testimony to expose the bondage of hell, to say that there is life and life eternal to be found in Jesus. And the enemy would love nothing more because if he can't keep us from salvation, which he cannot, then his best move is to try and tyrannize us in this new life, to try and keep us in our grave clothes, so to speak, to keep us in a prison cell, even though the prison cell has been unlocked, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the enemy would love nothing more because if he can't kill you physically, then he wants to steal your power. He wants to steal your confidence. He wants to rob you of your faith and rob you of your confession. I wanna tell you today, the battle is spiritual. The battle, it's a unique battle for the church. And this is why it's important for us to understand because the Bible says in Ephesians chapter six, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. I'm not talking about Lord of the Rings. I'm talking about the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of hell. And the Bible makes specific mention that we do not fight against flesh and blood. We fight against a very real enemy who is a threat, who wants to steal your calling, who wants to rob you of your confession, to steal your faith and to kill the hope that you have. This is, what, this is the enemy. This is the battle that the church will have to face. And it's important that we understand this or else we will mistake the fight. I wish more Christians could understand this about our world today. I wish we could understand that the the debates that we see in culture, the crazy divide back and forth that we see in our country, is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the enemy. It's a spiritual battle. The battle is spiritual. I I want us to be aware of this or else we will mistake this fight. Hear me today. Spiritual battles have to be discerned spiritually. Spiritual battles have to be spiritually discerned. What I mean to say is that if we make the mistake of denying the reality of the enemy, if we make the mistake of denying the reality of spiritual warfare or, or denying that the devil is real, then we will only demonize people. And instead of fighting the enemy, what we do is we will fight each other thinking that they're the enemy. do you see how, how cunning and how clever the scheme of the enemy is, is because that if, if in convincing us, if he can convince us that he doesn't exist or that he's a harmless cartoon, or if the enemy can convince us that he's just something of a, the relic of old past times, if he doesn't exist then what he has effectively done is placed us at war with each other. He has convinced us that if he doesn't exist, that the war is in people who look differently than us. Or if he doesn't exist, then the war is in people who believe differently than us or think differently than us or vote differently than us. And what we have done is we have lost both battles because we're unable to fight them according to what they are. For the very people that we are called to love and to serve are the people that we end up fighting against because we have mistaken the battle. And this is how clever the enemy is, is because in telling us that spiritual warfare doesn't exist, he has placed us at war with each other. That's why it's important for us to take the words of the Bible seriously that says we do not wage war against flesh and blood. The enemy is not each other. The enemy is very real. Ideas, deception taking place in our world because of the enemy. And I wanna give us three things to help us better understand the fight that we are in in today. Because if we're gonna discern the spiritual battle, if we're gonna understand the battle spiritually, we have to understand the fight that we're in. Otherwise, we will be fighting all wrong. Spiritual battles have to be discerned spiritually. Spiritually to understand what is spiritual warfare. Here's the first thing I want you to write down. Number one, the fight is for your faith. The war is for your faith. For the very moment that you proclaim faith in Jesus, that becomes the object that the enemy would try to counterclaim. The enemy isn't after your finances, he's after your faith. He's not after your health, He's after your faith. He's not after your family. He's after your faith. The enemy, what he wants to steal from you is your faith because he knows that if he can steal your faith, then he can take all the power away from you because there is power in the name of Jesus. That's the confession that we have. And let me say this. Following Jesus is not just an invitation to live by faith. Following Jesus is to put our faith in him because the reality is we all live by faith. Christian or not, you put what faith is, it's your confidence and your trust and your allegiance into something or someone that they are able to give you the life that you want. And we put our faith in all kinds of stuff, thinking and trusting and hoping that on the other side of that thing is the life that we so desire. Jesus' invitation isn't just to live by faith because he knows we all put our faith in crazy stuff. The invitation to follow Jesus is to put our faith in him. And this is the difference because we want our faith to be rooted in the person of Jesus. Our faith is not rooted in a relationship. Our faith is not rooted in a politician. Our faith is not rooted in our subculture. Please don't make the mistake of thinking that your faith is rooted in yourself. Faith isn't rooted in empty words. It's not rooted in ideologies. Faith is rooted. It has to be rooted in the person of Jesus Christ, who Peter said is the son of the living God. That's what faith is rooted in. And the reason that God gives us this faith is because as we put our trust in Jesus and put our hope in Jesus and put our confidence in Jesus, the Bible says that he gives us grace. Another word for that is strength. It's God's empowering presence. And as we put our faith in Jesus, the result of faith is the grace of God. It's the strength given to us. That's why Jesus says in verse 17, blessed are you for flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, but my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church. Now, traditionally scholars understand this. Peter, his name was changed here in this this passage by Jesus to mean rock. And Jesus says, the, the Greek word is Petra. And he says, blessed are you Simon, but now I call you Rock for upon this rock I build my church. But Peter isn't the rock, his confession in Jesus is the rock. And Jesus is making a spiritual metaphor here to drive home this point that says as you begin to put your hope and your faith as your confession begins to be placed in the rock of our salvation, then what happens is God's promise is he will build us together like solid rocks, brick by brick into a home or a temple that he calls the church for the church is not a building. The church is the people who are united by their faith in Jesus Christ. United by their confession. And this is what Jesus says. He says, What you just said is so rock solid that that's a sure foundation that I'm gonna build not only your life on, but the life of my church to come. I wanna tell you today that faith in Jesus is the only thing strong enough to build upon. Faith in Jesus is the only thing strong enough. To build upon. What are you saying to me? I'm telling you that you have to build your family upon that revelation. I'm telling you, you have to build your business upon that foundation. You have to build your relationships upon that foundation. You have to build your beliefs and your worldview upon that foundation. You have to build your life upon that foundation for it is the rock of our salvation. That is the only foundation strong enough to hold you together. Everything else is unsteady for the flower withers and the word, the the, the flower withers and the grass fades. But the word of God remains forever. It's the faith in Jesus. That is the only thing strong enough to build upon. The only foundation strong enough is your revelation in Jesus. Can I keep going? Here's the second thing I want you to write down. You can't choose the battle but you can choose the strength. You can't choose the battle. It's inevitable. It's it's the battle that we all will face. This battle of spiritual warfare is not an if question. It's a how question. You can't choose if you'll go through it, but you can choose the strength. I was remembering this week, the very first sermon that I had preached, I came across my nose. I was 17 years old. And I preach from the book of Luke about when Jesus tells the parable about how to build your house. And he says, um, you should build your house. Don't build it upon sand because the storm will come and blow it away. But if you build your house upon the rock, then it'll last. And Jesus is teaching this important thing. And uh, I had no gifting whatsoever. 17 years old. I think I had three points. I didn't make one of them. And what I began to do is literally just preach Jesus's words. It was like if you build your house upon the sand, I was like, yeah, don't do that. And then build your house upon the rock, like, yeah, you should do that. <laughs> Thankfully, I've gotten a lot better, hopefully, at preaching. But this is, this is how Jesus ends his, his te- the Sermon on the Mount, which is Jesus kind of primary teaching upon what it means to be a follower of Jesus, he ends this teaching by saying uh, this, this really this metaphor that what you build upon is significant. And he likens our confession to a a, a foundation of a home. What I mean to say is that all of us will face this battle, but not all of us will have the right foundation. If you can catch this revelation today, I'm telling you, it will change your life you can catch what I'm about to say, it will change the way that you understand this battle. Because I always thought it was the battle that teaches you, uh, that brings your life into perspective. See, for so long, I thought that it would be the battle that I would understand God's faithfulness. Or going through difficulty that I would understand God's blessing. I thought it would take hard times to understand God's goodness. But can I tell you what I've learned? That the battle is too late. What I mean to say is that it's too late to try and get a revelation of Jesus when you're right in the middle of your fight. You got to build this thing first. It's too late to try and learn that the battle belongs to the Lord if you're already fighting it by yourself. Said a different way, it's too late to try and stand upon the rock if you're too busy playing in the sand. If you can't say amen, then say ouch. This is what I've learned, that the battle is too late to try and find faith. I thought, man, the battle is going to build my faith. But faith has to be established before the battle. That's why it's called a foundation. Because it has to be built before we step into the battle. And we say the battle is the Lord's, but we stress out like it's ours. We say that we know Jesus, but we have the same anxieties as the rest of the world. Oh, the price of gas. Oh, inflation. (laughs) I'm never, never. We have the same anxieties as if we have no confession of faith at all. This is why faith, this is why faith has to be built before your battle. And I wonder today how many battles you have lost simply because you don't have the right revelation. Wonder today how many how much stress or pain or anxiety or heartbreak that you've had to endure simply because you're trying to fight the battle in your own strength. Trying to carry something with a faith all by yourself. You can't choose the battle, but you can choose your strength. And I want to tell you today, it is that confession of faith in who Jesus is. That is how we fight. No matter what season we're in, whether we're coming into a battle or leaving a battle or in the middle of a battle. That faith in Jesus must be the place that we build our lives upon. Faith in Jesus must be the place that we root our confession in, because when we come under attack, when the enemy throws fire, you you hear the Bible, it says that, that, that no weapon formed against us will prosper. What an interesting thought, because it doesn't say that the weapons won't be formed. It says that they won't work. In fact, the word formed, it means Customized. There is a unique battle that you will have to fight as a Christian, that the enemy knows exactly how to target your faith. But the promise is that if you build your faith upon Jesus, then it will not prosper, it won't prosper. Second Corinthians says, we don't have the same weapons as everybody else, though we walk in the flesh, we don't wage war according to the flesh says our weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but they have the divine power to demolish or destroy strongholds. What I'm telling you today is that spiritual battles have spiritual weapons. And I believe confession is the greatest weapon that you have. Confession is a weapon in the mouth of the believer. Every time we confess who our God is, root our faith in the person of Jesus. We get access, holy access to the power of heaven because at the name of Jesus, the enemy has to flee because at the name of Jesus, every battle is won. You can't choose the battle, but you can choose the strength. And the strength comes not by the power of ourselves, the strength comes not by the power of our enemy, but the strength comes in the power of the name of Jesus. Peter said, you're the son of the living God. And Jesus says, that's something I can build on. That's the faith that's sure. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. Third thing I want you to write down remember this week to preach to your Monday and your Tuesday and your Thursday is that if God builds it, then it's his to protect. If God builds it, then it's his to protect. If it's built on him, then take, let me encourage you today. It's protected by him. Jesus says on this rock, I will build my church and even the gates of hell will not prevail against it the promise you can hold on to is that you don't have to fight spiritual battles by yourself. In fact, Jesus says, I'll take care of it. This battle of spiritual warfare, yeah, it's real. It's significant, There's there's a very real enemy, but Jesus says, it's a battle without, and I'll take care of it. If you get your confession lined up in the person of Jesus, there's not even the gates of hell that can try and stop it. See, here's this picture. Because there in Caesarea Philippi, there was a place that they believed would be, it was called the gates of hell. It would be like a cave that led in. And they believed that it was access to the underworld. It was kind of like once you go in, you're not coming out. There at the gates of hell, Jesus is using once again a metaphor. And the idea is that the gates of hell, it, it is literally a prison of death. That they are the gates of Hades, it's this prison of death. And the way that this is to be understood, it is direct opposition to the living God. The spiritual battle for your faith is whether or not you will submit to the living God or stay in a prison of death. That's why salvation is so important. You know what I saw, though? It said that, that it's the gates of hell. You know, gates are a defensive mechanism. It's meant to control access. The gates are something that is meant to keep people in or to keep things out. I thought about the way that we fight. Jesus didn't say that it was the gates of heaven that would have to fight off in a front of the enemy. Jesus didn't say that it was the gates of the church that would have to stand firm. He said it was the gates of hell that won't be able to contain the life That is flowing through see it's a picture of not a church on the defense not a church on the back foot but a church that's on the offense that's taking ground a church that's on the offense that says not even the gates of hell can stop the advance of god's kingdom not even the gates of hell can stop the life that comes when you follow jesus Not even the gates of hell can stop because the resurrection of Jesus teaches us that Jesus is alive. For hell's gates have been unlocked from the inside. He faced hell for me so I wouldn't have to. And even the power of death couldn't stop Jesus from defeating death. Let me say it to you this way. Even death can't stop us from life. That's the part you shout. That's the part you get excited. That's the part that you take a praise break and give our affection and hope to Jesus. Even death can't stop us from life. That's the power of the gospel. That's the hope of our faith. That's the power of the resurrection. Paul said, in all these things, I am more than a conqueror through him who loved us for neither life nor death, nor angels, rulers, things present or things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will ever be able to separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. For when the church is built upon the rock of Christ, it can never be destroyed that's the promise I can't seem to shake this morning, that Jesus is victorious. Hell can't stop the advance of the church. This spiritual battle that we're in, it's what we do every Sunday. We're going to do it here in two minutes. As we invite people to make that declaration of faith, we're saying we're we're robbing the gates of hell and bringing them into eternal life forever and ever. (laughs) The battle is spiritual. Come on, let's all stand across this place. Confession, it is a weapon in the mouth of the believer. We may not see it, we may not feel it. it, may be hard. There is a battle, but let me encourage you today the battle has already been won. From heaven's perspective, all is well. Can I tell you that over your battle today? You feel the weight of heaviness on your soul, the attack. May be coming from all sides. See, the weapon that we have is our faith in Jesus. It's a confession of who our God is. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. To watch our latest message, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. To stay connected, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Free Chapel O.C.